0: used the Lord's name in vain. And the only thing I knew about Jesus was he a cuss word. The only thing I knew about God was he was a cuss word. And I'm thankful that God saved me anyway, amen? And now when I hear songs like that, it almost starts to bring tears to my eyes, brother. And I never cried for years, and then I got saved, amen? Now now sometimes if I see a dog get hit, I might cry, amen? I'm telling you, <laughs> Well, I tell you, God is good, and it is good to be here tonight with you again. Uh, thank you, church, for having me this year. Pastor, thanks for inviting me, and and uh, it's about time you had me come in here. I mean, just, just <laughs> I love messing with them, amen, but uh, we've been friends for a long time. God is so good, and um, I just appreciate you folks and appreciate this church and the Appreciate what you've done for me, and appreciate, Pastor, the check for for uh, he sent me for a thousand dollars for fuel, no, a hundred dollars for fuel. <laughs> thank, you. <laughs> no, thank you, thank you. I just added a zero to it, so we're all set. No, but thank you, but you know, my heart's always been to the local church, and I'm with an organization called Come International Baptist Ministries. We come over to Massillon, we go anywhere. And we don't ask for anything, brother. I mean, I've done meetings for nothing, and I don't ask for travel. I don't ask for traveling expense because God's always provided amen, in one way or the other. God always takes care of my need. Well, I sure appreciate it, though. Thank you, pastor. I mean that. And uh, God has just been good to our ministry over the years. Tonight, I'd like to speak to you on this thought on this text this evening. Um, I've this over my mind for I bet you, bet you 20 years, and then. About two years ago, three years ago or so, the Lord gave me this message on this text, the thought on this text, and I do that a lot. I have scripture running around in my head, and, uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, they'll start to put it together in my head, and then, then I work on it for a couple of weeks or a month, and pretty soon I have a message, but sometimes it takes a long time to get there for me. I don't know how it is with some of you, but I'm a, I'm a slow learner, amen, I'm a slow learner. But here in this text, over in 2 Kings chapter 13, and verse 20, I'd like to speak a message to you tonight that I've simply entitled, Let Your Life Count. Let your life count. You know, Elisha, about 60 years uh, approximately in the ministry, did twice as many miracles as Elijah did. And, uh, and boy, God, he, God just blessed him over and over and over and over again. In Elisha's life, even in his death, we see the power of God. Not just when he was alive, but now that he's gone. Let me ask you a question. When, you're, when your day comes, and I hope that doesn't happen to anybody real soon, but when your day comes, what will people say about you? When your day comes, what, they th- what will they think about you? What you? When your day comes, what would be on your, what would be on your headstone? I read a thing a while back where a guy from Texas said this, uh, uh, John Draws, second fastest man in Dallas, Texas. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) That was his gravestone. Second fastest man in Dallas, Texas. Amen. Let me tell you, I don't know what it's beyond my gravestone, but I just like to have the word faithful. That's all I I want. I don't want want the word perfect because I'm not. Amen. And I don't want the word godly because sometimes I don't think I'm godly but just faithful. I just want to be faithful, amen, to the end. So let me just give you a couple of thoughts. Um, My son-in-law down here in Manitow Beach, he's a phenomenal, um, what we call a literated preacher. Everything he has rhymes, you know, from from a point one to point two to point three to point four, and then every sub-point rhymes with something different. And if you have sub subpoints they rhyme something different. And I, so I tell his people, I say, he's a literate preacher. You get the illiterate preacher today, amen. You know, I couldn't do that. If I try, I can't do that. And it, if it happens, it's my mistake. It did not happen tonight, so don't worry, amen. <laughs> well, God is so good to us. Now, we need to live, number one, Write this thought down, if you would. Number one, we need to live to please the Lord. Right. Listen again, We just, just simple. We need to live to please the Lord, not the flesh, not someone else. Some, some people live to please others. Some people live to please their boss, they live to please their husband, they live to please their wife, they live to please their children, they live to please their parents, they live to please their church. Let me tell you this, if you live to please God, then everything else will fall into place. But please God, please Him first, if you live to do that, everything else will come in order. So please the Lord with your ways, if you're writing anything down, your attitude, your thinking, your disposition, how you carry yourself, how you handle yourself. When a man's ways, the Bible in book of Proverbs, chapter 16, verse 17, says this: When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Does that mean you're gonna, does that mean you're not gonna have enemies? No, that's not what he said. they're not going to have something to come at you with. They're not going to have something to attack you with, Pastor. They might do everything they can to said they're going to make peace with them. I like that. Uh, Now, I don't quote a lot of guys when I'm preaching, but I read something from J. Vernon McGee a few years ago on this thought. He says this, one of the nicest things that has been said to me in Southern California was said by a man who very frankly says, he hates me. He said, I hate him but he teaches the word of God. Vernon McGee says this, Thank you, Mr. Enemy. You are carrying out this proverb. Amen. <laughs> so you see, some might not like you, but just live to please the Lord. Just do what God will have you to do as a child of God and please God with your ways as a born-again believer. The things that you do, the way you do, please the Lord with your walk as a child of God. How you live your life uh, we, we, sometimes we, we walk according to the course of this world because we think that it's going to gain something for us. They think it's going to take us somewhere. My friend, the world can do nothing for you. Any, any, listen, the world can't give you a raise. Any raise you've ever gotten, the work comes from God. He's the one that made that possible, amen. amen. I was working in a place down in Virginia back in, I don't know, 19, I moved down there for a little bit, 1981. I think it's something like that, and it wasn't there very long—just a few months. But working a job in 81 and maybe one, and you started me at four dollars an hour, you know, and not a lot of money. But uh, but within thirty days, I got a two-dollar-an-hour raise. Wow. You don't have that happen very often, do you? And I don't—I didn't attribute it to the company. I just attributed it because of God. Gave me the raise. Amen. That's how I look at it. God took care of it. He knew what I needed. I prayed and said, God, you know this is what I need. You know this is what I need to do. You know how much it cost me to get to work. You know how much it cost me to do this. You know how much it cost me to do this. God, I just need your help. Amen. Last night, help. Got a $2 raise. Man, that that made me feel like I was on top of the world. Amen. Did I buy new suits? No, I couldn't afford new suits. I buy no, no, I had a gremlin. I bought a gremlin, brother. I tell you. there's stinking, rotten, possessed, demon car. Let me tell you. Worst car in the world I ever owned in my life. I wanted to shoot with a shotgun. I should have. amen. How are you living your life? The Bible says in Colossians 1:10 that that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. You know how you're going to learn how to walk according to the Word of God? in the knowledge of God. We're going to get the knowledge of God right here, the Word of God. You need to be in this book, amen. Your pastor shared with me uh, the sheet of paper with all them verses on there this morning. I started that this morning, pastor. I enjoyed that. I'm looking forward to tomorrow morning now, amen. And uh, I'm going to make some copies. Can I make some copies of that? Can I put my name on the bottom? and just am just asking to me. <laughs> Uh, no, no, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I give him credit one time. Anything after the first time is mine. Amen? I'm just saying. They say if you take from one, it's pleasure of them. But if you take from many, it's research. Yeah. said <laughs> <clears throat> so increasing in the knowledge of God, and then please the Lord with your work. Not just with your walk and, and, uh, and not just with your ways, but praise, praise, praise the Lord or uh, please the Lord with your work as a child of God. He said, now the God of peace, in Hebrews 13, verse 20 to 21, he said, listen, now the God of peace brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever amen he's a good work to do as well working in you that which is well pleasing the things we do in our life ought to please god amen the jobs we do ought to please god Something I always try to teach my three children, I try to teach my grandchildren the same thing, you know, is that when you're, uh, and their parents are doing good jobs, them, don't get me wrong, but I want them to understand that when you, you if you're going to work a job, do it as unto the Lord. Amen? And if, if you're going to help clean the church, do it as unto the Lord. We have a young man in our home church in Muskegon, he's not there anymore, but he was there for Jimmy. Were there for years. Jenny was high functioning, handicapped, you know, and Jimmy always swept our, cleaned our sanctuary. He would always, and he had a routine. You did not change Jimmy's routine because nothing would get done then. Jimmy had a routine, and he would sweep the sanctuary between every pew under every pew. Did a great job. But I'd come back off the road, Pastor, and uh, I'd back in my trailer down there, and he wouldn't see me there yet. And on Friday mornings, he'd be there cleaning. I'd walk into the church on Friday morning, and I'd hear him in the sanctuary vacuuming. He had a hundred-foot cord on that vacuum cleaner would be plugged into the hallway outside. So I'd bend over and I'd reach over and I'd unplug that thing. And then I'd stand there and I'd hear him take that vacuum and go, what in the world? What, it, what? And I'd plug it back in and start working. He'd start back. I'd do that two or three times to him. And then I would unplug it and lay it on the ground and i go hide right around the corner. He'd come walking out and he'd see that cord on the floor and he'd say, evangelist! <laughs> yeah. But what he did, here's an here's a individual that's not all there, but did it for the Lord, brother. The church could never give him much, but they took care of him a little bit. But he did it for the Lord, and he worked hard to do that job. He cleaned the whole church back then. Well, I tell you, we praise the Lord. Now we got two that clean the church, and we give them money. Amen. <laughs> we praise the Lord; they do a good job. Amen. And I don't begrudge praying somebody for doing a church. Let me tell you, I really don't. I'm just making a statement to you that when he did his job, regardless if you're paid or not. You do things for the Lord. Amen. Do it as unto the Lord. Second Kings chapter 5, 5, the Bible says, uh, And the king of Syria said, Go to go, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver and 6,000 pieces of gold and 10 changes of raiment. Remember, and he went to Elisha. And Elisha said, I can't take it, I won't, I won't receive it. And then when he finally leaves, what happens? Elisha's servants. Was after him, Amen. And he it Elijah was a man of integrity. Yes, he was. Amen. Remember what happened with the servant when he came back? He got cursed, man. Yes, he did. Lost everything, had nothing. That was it. Live number two. Remember again, number one. Live, live to praise, live to please the Lord. Number two. Let me live so others will see the Lord. Live so others will see the Lord. Let me begin with this illustration. I was wicked growing up. I heard, I heard I'm going to tell you, my friend, and I'm not proud of it at all. And I'll, I'll just say what I did in a little bit here, but not what I did, but how, how I tried to take care of it. But I heard a lot of people. I really did. And uh, went to prison once, got out, went back a second time. Second time I went back, I was looking at 30 years of life. And I put it down to, well, uh, in Ohio, you have to understand the laws in Ohio. A little bit different maybe some laws up here, but if you broke into a house and somebody was sleeping in the house and it was after dark, it's called breaking, entering, and entering having a dwelling after dark. That was 30 years of life. It was more than somebody who did armed robbery. Armed robbery was 20 to 40. That was 30 life because they figured it was a day, more of a dangerous situation if somebody woke up. Don't ask me why, but that's what he did. And I put it down to a, a simple one to 15-year term. I ended up doing three years on that term. But I hurt people. I went back to those people later on and apologized. When I got out of prison, I got saved. Everybody who I hurt that I could remember, everybody who I hurt that I would run into, everybody who I who, who I just... Brother, who I didn't treat right, who I didn't do right, I went up there and apologized to him and asked him to please forgive me. Told him I was sorry because God had changed my heart. God has saved me by His grace, Amen. And I wanted them to know what God had done in my life. So started in the ministry and was up here in Michigan. And I go back home and I found out the a deputy by the at that time, um, one of the deputies in town had uh, become the town. Uh, chief of police. His name is Kenny. And so I'm back in Ohio for about four or five days, and I heard he was the chief of police, so I called the police department. This is a Kenny there, and they said, yeah, Kenny's here. So I said, okay, so uh, I, I they let me talk to him, so I talked to him on the phone, and I said, Kenny, I said, this is Mike Patterson. He said, really? I said, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like like when the really is that uh, you know, really? Yeah. And I said, "Yeah." And I said, uh, "I'd like to meet with you. Can I meet with you?" He said, oh, um, true story. Now, let's meet at the donut shop tomorrow morning <laughs> in town." <laughs> he liked donuts, man. He looked like he did too. But <laughs> I was only I was only 175 pounds back then, brother. You know, <laughs> that's 100 pounds ago, amen. But he uh, great, great. Uh, we we meet at the shop. And they start talking to him. And we didn't get into a whole lot right there. But the mayor of town came in. Kenny was going through some things. And Kenny said, I got to go. He said, Why don't you ride with me? I said, OK. I got to ride in front of the cruiser. That first time ever, amen. <laughs> I was always in the back seat. <laughs> so, so I got, I said, talking to Kenny. We ran around. We came back to the office where he was at. And then we sat out in the little parking lot there. And I said, Kenny, I said, I wanted to meet you today because I wanted to talk to you for a little bit. I said, this last time when I was in prison, I said, I got saved by the grace of God. And I said, I want to tell you what I said. I didn't treat you good. I was mean to you. And and, I mean, I was mean to him. Let me tell you what happened. second time I got arrested before I went to prison, Kenny walked me out on the town hall steps where the police department was. And he got me out there, I'm handcuffed, and it's unusual. He always handcuffed me behind my back. This time he handcuffed me in the front. And he reached down and he unsnapped his holster and he loosened up his gun. And he said, I'll give you a 50 yard head start before I shoot. I wanted to say, Why don't you to lay the gun down and let's go to it? But he, he was an ex-marine, he would have whooped me, man, in a heartbeat, you know. But that's what I wanted to say. But that's our that was our relationship. That's how we treated each other. And I'm sitting there and I'm asking Kenya to forgive me. And I told him, Kenya, I'm so sorry how I treated you, how I was towards you, the things that I had done. And all of a sudden, I start weeping, talking to him. And now he's starting to weep in the seat next to me. He said, Mike, i got to tell you, I need to ask you to forgive me. I got saved last year. I think we just need to make things right with people, amen? Regardless of who it is. You say, "Well, brother Mike, I, I, they they won't accept my apology. Don't you worry about what they do or don't do. You do what's right as a child of God. Right. You make it right on your side." Amen. Lucifer will see the Lord. I wrote down now. I got some. Sometimes my sub some points don't make a lot of sense, but maybe it will. I just wrote down. Don't let your battery run dead. How of you like to go out in the morning and start your car and the battery's dead? It drives me nuts, amen. I bought a car a couple years ago. It was supposed to have a brand new battery in it. Stinking liars didn't have no new battery. The guy told the pastor he put a new battery in it. They didn't put a battery in that. The thing was older and dirt, amen. Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let your light so shine. Let your light so shine. Don't let the batteries go dead, amen. Stay charged up. I, I get excited, Pastor. Sometimes I'm in meetings and sometimes I'll throw up one hand. So I've been known to stand up and throw up two hands in the air. I'm not supposed to put my hands above my head, the doctor says, but I do anyway. And sometimes I might just, brother, I mean, I've, I've been excited a few times, amen. Not all the time, but once in a while. I just, you just. You got to say something, amen, if it's in your heart, I got to let it come out, amen. I might jump up, like this little fellow down on Virginia Beach years ago, he goes, well, glory, he stands up next to the pulpit, he wasn't hanging out, but he'd stand up and kick his foot up in the air, about that high, he's only about that tall, you know, man, that foot would come way up to his nose, I think, He anybody in the head, he could have kicked a six-foot man in the eyeball, I think, <laughs> and uh, just... Just to get excited to the things of the Lord. But don't let your battery run down. You might not do that stuff. That's fine. But don't let your battery run down. Let people see Jesus Christ living in your life. That your light is shining so much, so much, so much that they will glorify your Father which is in heaven. There could be something like this. Man, they, got, they, got, they really got saved. One of my best friends, Roger, growing up, I witnessed to him after I got saved over and over and over. He wouldn't believe it. He said, Mike, he said, tell me. He says, he said, now, he said, you can tell me the truth. He said, just tell me. He says, uh, you only you only did that to help you get out of prison. I said, no. I said, Roger. I said, the Lord cleans my heart. I said, I'm saved. I'm a born-again believer, saved by the very grace of God. He said, No, he said, I don't believe you. He said, I know you. I don't believe you. He says you can tell me the truth, you know. And uh, so I witnessed him over and over and over again. Went back to Ohio one time, and he asked me a question. I was sitting at his place in a picnic table outside. I had a cup of tea, and he just pulled in the driveway. I was waiting for him to come in. He pulls in the driveway, gets out of his van. And he's got an eight-pack of beer. He comes over, sits on the picnic table, or off his car, sits on the picnic table in front of me, and uh, he pulls one out in the office of the man I said, I don't drink, Roger. You know I don't drink anymore. I'm a born-again believer. I'm saved. I'm a Christian. So then he says this to me. He says, so what's the Bible say about this? You know, I can't remember what the question was now. So I said, well hang on a minute. And I went over and I grabbed my Bible out of my van sitting right there and I grabbed my Bible and started to come on. He said, don't bring that thing out here preaching at me. Uh, now I knew Roger. We were good friends. I said, shut up you asked you're getting a question. You're getting an answer. Amen. <laughs> and I showed him the word of God. He did not get saved but he died one night, walking the road, walk, checking his fence line where his horses were, and uh, had a massive heart attack. Had a 22 rifle in his the hand. They thought he shot himself because he drove a stone when he hit the ground, and the dirt road drove a stone up through his chin. They thought at first he shot himself, but he didn't. This heart attack just died right there. My mom, I was here in Michigan, and my mom called um, called me on the phone, and she says, Mike, Roger's gone. I said, yeah, I heard that. And she says, Mario Rodney Rodney from our church told me to tell you that one week before Roger died, he got saved. I'm looking forward to seeing him one day in glory, amen. But I wasn't going to change what God had done in my life just to remain a friend with him, brother. We were friends up until he died. But I wasn't going to change what God had done in my life to keep that friendship. And if He didn't want anything to do with me, that would that would have been fine. I didn't want that, but we continued contact all the way up until He died. I wish I would have known He got saved the week before. I wish He would have called me. Amen. But don't let your battery run dead. Look at He. Look at Romans chapter 13 real quick. Let's just go to Romans just for a moment. Chapter 13. Over Romans and. Chapter thirteen. Look down with me through the verse eleven. The Bible says this, Romans thirteen, eleven through verse fourteen. And then knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Well some of us need just wake up, Amen. Isn't that true? For now, is our salvation nearer than when we believe? It's close. It's not very long before Jesus comes back, Amen. Uh, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. We need to put on the armor of light. The armor of light. That means what we do in our life ought to shine Jesus Christ. Let him come forth. Let people see him living in you and working in you. I, I don't know. You know, when I was first saved, there's things, Pastor, I did that I'm ashamed of. Amen? I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. Boy, the boy, I would come under such great conviction so quick. Anybody else like that? No, I'm, don't have, You know what I'm talking about? I knew, I've never questioned my salvation. Can I tell you why? Because God had changed me so much. It would have never happened if it wasn't for the Holy Ghost living within me. I knew I was saved. No question in my mind. God had made such a radical change in me. I wasn't perfect, still not perfect. My wife thinks I'm perfect, but I'm still not perfect, amen? (laughs) No, you know my wife, don't you? (laughs) Let your light shine. and then Let your light shine brighter and brighter. Don't, don't, man. I like them lights they have today. Good night, brother. You can walk in the room and this is completely dark. And turn it on. The lights up the whole room like these lights here. It's just amazing. It blows my mind. And and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tool nut. Anybody else here besides a tool nut besides me? I love I, I'll go to a yard sale just to buy tools, brother. I'm not kidding you. And I already got three or four, but I want another one because I see it and I'm going to buy that. And my wife says, Why are we going so early? I say, Because they've got tools there. She says, I don't want the tools. I Yeah, but I want them. You don't need them. Yes, I do. It's a man thing. Amen. But if I see a flashlight that's 500 lumen, look out, man. I'll dig my allowance out of my wallet. Amen. <laughs> Might spend every stinking penny. Up, but I'm going to have that light. Amen. How <laughs> many flashlights I got around my house? I'm pathetic with lights and tools. Amen. But he said, "But the path of the just." In Proverbs 4:18, listen. But the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Boy, let your light shine more and more. Let it go brighter and brighter, things that upset you today that won't put a smile on your face, don't let them upset you tomorrow, put a smile on your face, amen? Let the light so shine, brighter and brighter. And then live, uh, the next slide I have is live so others um, want the Lord. Live your life so others want the Lord. I don't know how many times I've, I've knocked on doors press all around the country on Hudson, Papua New Guinea, amen. (laughs) But All around the country, Newfoundland, here up in Nova Scotia, uh, Canada, just all across this country, knocking on doors, knocking on doors. You don't know how many times I've knocked on the door when I introduce myself and say what church we're with that week and we'd like to invite you out. You know, how many times I've heard something like this, well, so-and-so goes to that church, and I watch how they behave and I don't want anything to do with it. That's so sad. That is so sad. You, you, are, you are a, a reflection. Let me, you're supposed to be a reflection of Jesus Christ in your life. Yeah. You ever been mad and said something you shouldn't have said when you said it? And you knew as soon as you said it? I'm not talking about cussing. I'm not talking about swearing. I'm not talking about filthy language. But as soon as you say, you knew you shouldn't have said it. Amen. And usually when you do that, somebody else is listening. I love it when I'm in churches, brother, and I walk around the corner and people are talking about the pastor. And I step around the corner on them Boys, does it ever get quiet? <laughs> Here's my policy, brother. If I hear what they're saying, I'm going to tell you. Amen. I, I ain't letting it go. Amen. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care how much they smile. I'm going to say, hey, preacher, come here. Amen. <laughs> People are usually pretty careful around me because I don't, I don't cut no slack. Amen. Well, I went to the Cal- uh, Faith Baptist Church in Muskegon, Michigan. As the associate pastor, Beach was there, and um, one of the ladies came to me in the church. She says, "All you are is a yes man." I said, "Yes, ma'am. I am a yes man." Amen. Because I told the people there, I says, "If you ever have a complaint against a pastor, and you come to me, I'm going to him. Yeah. You know, because I'm not I'm not your complaint board. You 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 talk to him. Amen. You talk to the pastor. Leave me out of it. And uh, that's all our relationship was, and that's always how, and that's how it ought to be, brother. Amen. That's how it ought to be." But live so others will want the Lord. Be ready to give an answer. When somebody asks you about the hope that's in you, you say, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness of fear. What, what happened to you? How come you don't drink anymore? How come you don't take drugs anymore? How come you don't smoke dope anymore? How come you don't, how come you don't drop acid anymore? How come you don't watch this anymore? How come you don't go to there anymore? How come you don't come and fellowship? Boy, I just, Constantine, Michigan, I saw a sign on, the, on a, a, a church property one day. It was a Methodist church in the Church of Christ, and it said, Beer and Bible Fellowship. What in the world is our country coming to? Sanctify God, he says. If they ask you a reason, what. What happened to you? You ought to be able to tell them what happened to you. Tell them how you got saved. Tell them what Jesus did in your heart. Tell them, tell them how he lifted you up. Tell them how he took you out of my, my clay. And tell them how he put you on the solid rock. Tell them how he became your anchor, amen. And he's your lighthouse. And you need to shine that light out from you now as a believer in Jesus Christ. Let them know what happened, amen. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I said be ready to give an answer. But then I also wrote this down don't answer stupid questions. Can God make a rock so heavy that he could not lift it? <laughs> stupid question. Amen. Well, if he could, then, then uh, God's, not all, uh, God's not all powerful. I've heard that over and over. I don't answer stuff like that. And I say, you want to argue, that's fine, but you're not going to argue with me. I'll, I'll walk away. Amen. No, because all you're looking for is a fight pastor. Amen. Can I tell you this? I've been in churches where some believers have done the same thing. They ask a question just to cause a problem, not to, not. they don't want an answer. They just want to cause a problem in the church. Don't, don't be that, amen. Let people see Jesus working in you. The Bible in 2 Timothy, go with me real quick there to 2 Timothy. Over in 2 Timothy, and in chapter 2, we just have a few more verses to look at, and then I'll be done this evening. 2 Timothy in chapter 2. He makes this statement, 2 Timothy chapter 2, down to verse 19. He says, watch what he says, 19 to 23. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stand sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ, I love this, depart from iniquity. That means leave it. Get away from it. Then he says this, "But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, uh, but also of wood and of earth and some to honour some to dishonor. If a man uh, if, excuse me, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified of meat for the master's use. And prepared unto every good work. Flee also you for lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them call upon the Lord of pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing they what? They cause or bring strife. They do gender strifes. That word strive there means battle, it means a fist fight, brother, amen. It means going to war with somebody. It means uh, to fight. And boy, well, he not don't, don't, don't answer questions that are going to cause that in your life. Just live the Lord. Sometimes there's a time to say, well, you can believe what you want to believe. That's up to you. That's your choice, amen. Every American brother in this country, every person in the world, by the way, has a choice to believe what they want to believe. Right, right. Well, some countries won't let you believe what you want to believe, <laughs> Amen. But every person can t- believe what they want to believe. We, we, you can tell somebody, listen, you can believe what you want to believe, how you want to believe. That's. I don't agree with you. That's fine. But I'm not going to stand there and argue all day about some question that's dumb. Amen? Right. Look what he says in verse 24. Live your answer. I don't just answer stupid questions. But live your answer. Look at verse 24. But the servant of the Lord must not strive... He must not fight, must not go to battle every, every little thing all the time. I know some people, it seems like all they want to do is fight. I know some preachers, pastor, it seems like all they want to do is fight and cause a fight or start a fight. You can be around right Everything positive can be going on. And some people say, but that was wicked. That ain't right. That's not, but I don't understand some guys sometimes, pastor. Because I thought we were supposed to live the light. He said, "And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men." I am probably one of the least gentle people in the world, apt to teach patients. I got a grandson at um, one of the Danny's was learned how to ride a bike, and you know, I forget how old he was, but the training was should have been awesome. So I taught him how to ride his bike without the training wheels in the campground there was one time and. Pretty soon he's going around a circle in this gravel, you know, and he's going around my trailer and around a big RV bus down this end and coming back around three or four trailers and just keeps on going around and around and around and and uh, I told him I said I said come here see Grandpa for a minute and he walked over rode his bike over to me and it was the oldest one and I said uh, I said listen I said uh, yeah you, you do me a favor you need to slow down because you're going to go around there you're, you're going faster and faster and faster I said you're going to go down and get hurt. You know, oh, okay, okay, Grandpa. The very next time he's flying, brother, I'm not kidding you. He is flying, and he goes past me, and he goes down to go run it, and I hear him went down. He went down on that gravel. And now, here's how gentle I am. <laughs> he comes walking around the back of the RV without his bike. He's cut up his knee, cut up his elbow. I said, Where's your bike? You? I said, Go get it. Don't leave it out there in the driveway. <laughs> He went and got the bike, come back, and he's walking by me and I says, you want Grandpa to look at that? No, Grandma. <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> he knows who's going to be gentle, amen. <laughs> Grandpa will dunk alcohol on it, Grandma will butter him up, amen, let me tell you. And he says for you and I right here, and the servant of the Lord must not strive but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, and meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Some people oppose themselves, Amen. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. The devil's doing everything he can to trap you, to trick you, to stop you from being what you ought to be, and do what you ought to do. He said, who are taken captive by him at his will. Now that's a sad statement. That a person gets to a point in his life where the devil can captivate him with sin. Sad, amen? devil... Listen, the devil can't possess you. He can't make you sin. You understand that? He can't make you sin, but he can do everything possible to cause us to try to sin. And if you are if you as an individual, if you are holding on to some things and you are captivated by that snare, he's got you snared. He's gonna do everything he can to keep you there and do everything he can to keep you from glorifying God and being the light in this world that you ought to be as a child of God. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed.